What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Strout, the CMO of Real Chemistry, formerly W2O, and host of the What to Know podcast show. And we always have great guests on the show. I was particularly thrilled to have Julie Fleshman uh, today, who is the president and CEO of the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, also known as PanCan. I have to give a special shout out to Stephanie Agresta, my colleague who actually brought Julie to us a couple of years ago. And Julie recently spoke with our own April Lewis at South by Southwest during our virtual events. Today, I had the opportunity to drill down a little bit on the mission of PanCan, um, what they're about how she got involved with the organization. Uh, interesting because she was the first full-time staff member and the first executive director. Um, we talk a little bit about the impact that they're having and how they've grown tremendously and how she got there. We talk a little bit about some of the amazing accolades they've had, the opportunities she's had to present to Congress. And then we cover a couple of really key initiatives with them, one called the Early Detection Initiative, which just got launched a couple of weeks ago. And then also their precision promise clinical trial approach really dovetails nicely with some of the things that um, I've been learning recently about the innovation and elevation and uh, fast tracking of clinical trials and how they're doing it more safely and more effectively, et cetera. Uh, and then of course we touch on Julie's wish, very thoughtful, no surprise there. And then her deserted island album. So I encourage you to listen in. Well, welcome, Julie. Uh, it's nice to have you on the show, and this is on the heels of having you at our South by Southwest virtual activities last month. I do want to start off by giving you a little bit of kudos, something that I just found out about from our friend Jillian on your team, and that is that Los Angeles Business Journal named you Nonprofit Executive of the Year. So this is late-breaking news, probably the, one of the first times hopefully people will hear it. So congratulations on that. That's amazing. Well, thank you, Erin. Yes, um, it was um, it was definitely um, a surprise, but especially nice to be recognized. Um, you know, after the challenging year that um, all, all nonprofit executives have had. What great news! And I think as people learn about you, as I was learning more about you, I already knew uh, a lot about what you did. Um, this is the the least surprising thing ever, and we'll find out more as we get into the interview. I do want to start a little bit about talking about PanCan's mission. I read about it, but I think you could probably do it a lot more justice, especially since you've really created the organization and, and sort of made it what it is today. So tell us a little bit more about your mission. Sure. So the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, fondly known as PanCan, um, is a nationwide patient advocacy organization for pancreatic cancer. And it's really our vision to ensure a world in which all pancreatic cancer patients will thrive. And so every day we come to work with that um, vision in mind um, and have a comprehensive approach to fighting pancreatic cancer. So we fund research through various mechanisms and through some large scale initiatives that I'm sure we'll talk about today. We provide patient services through a call center where patients and families can call and get information and resources so that they can make informed decisions about their care. Uh, we have a large volunteer network across the country where we're asking their, those volunteers, our grassroots network, really helping us to raise awareness, 
visibility and funding um, to fuel our mission. And then we also do government advocacy work in Washington, D.C. to increase the federal resources that are available to pancreatic cancer researchers. So um, we have um, our, our nose a little bit in everything, um, but it really does take a comprehensive approach to move a challenging disease like pancreatic cancer forward. Well, and again, kudos for all of that. And I guess one of the things that I'm so impressed with is just to give a little bit of a backstory about you and reading your bio, you became the organization's first full-time staff person. And it's funny because I was looking on LinkedIn and basically you have your schooling, which is also quite impressive. And then you jump to, you know, PanCan and that's what you've done for the last 20 plus years. So I tell you this because you became the first executive director in April, 2000, if I have my timeline correct. Um, this was sadly right after the death of your father in 1999 and you lost him to pancreatic cancer. So obviously we now know like why this is such a passion area for you. Now I have to say this, Julie, most people in your position might donate or volunteer to a cause, right? Like to some sort of stand up for cancer. Uh, instead you dedicated your life to changing the course of this horrible disease to the degree you can talk us through a little bit about that decision and, and what gave you that conviction to really, instead of, you know, doing something that was a little more passive, really dedicating your life and helping others beyond just honoring your dad in that moment. Yeah. I mean, thanks for, for letting me tell that story. Um, you know, I think sometimes life makes plans for us and I really feel this was one of those times where sort of all the things kind of converged, um, and just gave me this amazing opportunity. So as you said, um, it's been 20, it was 22 years ago now that my father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He was 52 years old. Um, and he died four months later. And I just, I was devastated and I couldn't believe that our family had been given no options, no hope. I mean, basically my dad was told to go home and get his affairs in order and it was devastating and it was unacceptable. I mean, the, the whole situation just felt so unacceptable and I couldn't believe, you know, I was young and naive, but I couldn't believe that there was absolutely nothing that could be done. And, you know, lucky for me at about that same time that my, my dad died, the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, PanCan, was founded by three people who had also lost parents to the disease. Um, I happened to come up upon the organization. I mean, at the time, it was just this, you know, barely anything, very new. Um, I spoke to one of the founders and really, you know, raised my hand and said, I'm happy to volunteer. I'm happy to help. Um, at the time, I was still finishing up my JD MBA program that I was in at the time. And anyways, one thing led to another, um, and I graduated and ended up being hired as the very first employee. And, um, you know, I don't think I had any idea 21 years ago when I was hired that I would still be here doing this today. But in so many amazing ways, it fits so perfectly with my pooling of my background and what I had hoped to go on and do and melding it with this, you know, very personal passion um, and wanting to do something in my dad's memory. So, you know, I always had this desire to, I went to business school because I thought I wanted to start my own company. I had sort of an entrepreneurial spirit. And I went to law school because I was passionate about, you know, causes. I was passionate about women's rights and civil rights and those kinds of sort of legal issues. And so in many ways, you know, when you think about this, it brought those two things together. I started a nonprofit organization. I 
maybe thought it was going to be for profit, but it ended up being a nonprofit organization, you know, focused on a disease that desperately needed attention. Um, so I've gotten to sort of, I think, bring all of those skills together um, and learn and, and grow with the organization uh, over time. So I, I feel like I was really just given this incredible opportunity and it's a privilege um, to get to do what I do every single day. Well, thank you for sharing that very personal story. And again, kudos to you for doing that. So just related to that, it's a good segue, armed with that MBA and your JD, which for those that don't know, is a Juris Doctor. It's like an MBA or a higher level degree when you get your law degree, probably couldn't have armed you better for the position that you were going into. You took what was a one person, and I think if I read correctly, somewhere around $200,000 in you know, donations and budget. And you've now grown that into a staff of 140, uh, over 140, with a budget of more than $40 million. That's impressive. We don't have to spend too much time, but what what's helped you scale that business, especially as someone that came out with all of the right tools, but not really a lot of experience in growing a business or an organization the way you have? Yeah. You know, I mean, certainly I haven't done this alone. I have an amazing uh, team of people, board of directors and advisors and staff, um, you know, and donors and volunteers. So certainly I, I haven't done it alone. I've always had this amazing community um, that's been willing to be right alongside um, helping to grow the organization. But I think I am I am a planner. Um, and so there's always been a plan. There's always been ambitious goals that we were setting for the next year, metrics that we were following, and a plan that we needed to implement. I think that formula has worked very well, um, you know, and it's obviously gotten more sophisticated over the years um, and grown in size. But that sort of focus on what are the priorities, what needs to be done, how are we going to accomplish it, and then let's go out and do it, you know, has worked very well. Well, it's, I, if everyone could be uh, such a planner and, and so successful. Uh, speaking of successful, one of the things that also struck me in reading and learning more about you is that you've had an opportunity to present to a lot of important groups, one of which is this little body called Congress. Uh, you've been interviewed by national media like the New York Times, CNN, PBS, ABC News, among many others. It's not easy to get this kind of attention. Now, granted, you have a nonprofit, you're doing some novel things. But what has your approach been and like what story have you told that really have helped get these organizations, these platforms so uh, engrossed in your story? Yeah. And, and you actually you hit it right on the, you know, the head that it's the stories. You know, I have my own personal story, but everyone who engages with PanCan has a personal story, whether they're currently battling the disease or whether they've lost someone. And you take those stories and you get people to talk about them and tell them. And it's very personal and they're very passionate. Um, and that moves people. People want to hear stories about real life. Um, and I think, you know, that's certainly what's made us very successful in Congress is going in, you know, as a group in mass and telling these stories over and over again to members of Congress. Um, and they listen, they do care. And, you know, I think the same for the news, you know, and you, always having to try to kind of refresh and make them new and different so that, so that people aren't hearing the same thing and being confident that we're, we have something important to do and we want to make sure people know that. Well, that's, that, that is a good way to do it. And I think, again, another good segue, uh, you do have a new program. It's called uh, the Early Detection Initiative. And you launched it, I think, a couple of weeks ago, and it's focusing on new 
onset diabetes. And the focus is on the correlation between that and pancreatic cancer. I've spilled a little bit of the beans, but tell us a little bit more about the initiative and what type of research and, and what are you doing uh, as you look more into this correlation? So the Early Detection Initiative um, is a large interventional study that'll cost $25 million over the span of the study. There's been recent research that indicates that new onset diabetes, a diagnosis of new onset diabetes over the age of 50 for some people is actually an early symptom of pancreatic cancer. But we don't know how to determine which people is it just getting normal diabetes and which people is it an early symptom of pancreatic cancer. And so the early detection initiative will help to figure out how we how we find that out. Does screening basically at the time of a diagnosis of new onset diabetes, does that lead to earlier detection of pancreatic cancer? Ultimately, that's the question that we want to answer, but you have to look at a lot of people and follow a lot of people and screen a lot of people over a time period um, in order to figure that out. But the, the good part about this, usually when you're doing early detection studies, they're usually done first retrospectively. So you're looking at people, you know, that yes, they've been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, maybe they've died, and you're now looking back historically at their records. This study is actually looking at people who are currently being diagnosed with new onset diabetes, and then some of them eventually getting pancreatic cancer where we can intervene and actually help them. Um, and then also hopefully at the end change practice guidelines for when someone comes in and they have new onset diabetes, that this becomes a regular practice for what would be looked for. Well, I love that approach, right? It's this whole newish concept of focusing on wellness or getting well versus sickness. And I love, you know, that you're not doing it retroactively and that there is a chance to help catch it early and screen people. I do also want to talk about another important initiative that you've got, and it's called PanCan's Precision Promise Clinical Trial, which launched last year. Tell us more about that program. Sure. So, I mean, really, in order to improve patient outcomes, we need an early detection test because right now the disease is diagnosed too late, and we also need better treatment options. We need both. So Precision Promise, as you said, is a, a, an adaptive clinical trial that PanCan is the sponsor of. Um, we launched it last year. And what an adaptive clinical trial means is that you can test multiple treatments all at the same time. They're being tested simultaneously. And the statistical design behind an adaptive trial allows you to enroll fewer patients in each investigational arm and still have a statistically significant outcome to be able to go to the FDA to get um, the drug, drug approval. So it's a cheaper, um, requires fewer patients and takes some of the risk away from biopharmaceutical companies in thinking about developing drugs in this space, because this is a challenging space. There hasn't been a whole lot of success. And so this is an opportunity for a company to do it for less money and in a structure that's already been set up for them through our 15 sites across the country, you know, working with leading pancreatic cancer experts. And it provides patients options, there's several sort of unique characteristics about precision promise that allow patients to have multiple treatment options within the same study. 
Um, and we're also looking at supportive care. So it's it's trying to be very patient-centric and provide what is best for the patient, but also accelerating the rate that we're um, you know, getting to new treatment options. Well, you know what I love about that is um, what will have now been probably a couple of weeks ago, our global president, Jennifer Gottlieb, had a conversation on Techonomy's uh, Health and Wealth in America event about clinical trials with a woman named Jackie Kent of Medidata. She's the chief customer officer. And they really got into some of this decentralized trials, some of the impact of, you know, not having to have as many placebos because that's, that's, that hurts the clients, right? Or the patients to be able to do it faster. I love being able to test multiple treatments and just really sort of rethinking the way this gets done. And this leads me into my last question before we get into some lighter questions. And that is uh, during the pandemic, I think everyone in the world learned what a clinical trial was if they didn't know. Uh, we, we saw a lot of innovation with the introduction of real world evidence data. Uh, we saw that you know they were able to use science so they didn't cut corners, but cut time off and were able to develop these very effective therapies. Our boss, Jim Weiss, my boss, Jim Weiss, has been talking a lot about how can we take learnings from Operation Warp Speed and apply them to other diseases, right? So clearly the two initiatives that you just mentioned are two ways that I think we're doing that. Anything else that you're seeing or that PanCan is focused on that sort of falls into this Operation Warp Speed, like um, thinking around how we bring new treatments and, and uh, drugs to the market? Yeah, I mean, I think the one of the things that PanCan can do very successfully that's harder for other organizations is that we can bring all the stakeholders together to really accelerate an initiative or a project, um, meaning we can bring together for precision as per using precision promise as an example, we're bringing together the leading investigators, the patient's perspective, pharmaceutical companies, I mean, even basic scientists, because the science is what, you know, leads eventually to clinical outcomes and the FDA. And so, you know, we can convene those stakeholders as an unbiased convener um, that is difficult for other types of organizations to do. So that's one of the ways that PanCan really thinks about all of the things that we do is what's the role that we can play that's unique and different than any of the other stakeholders to help accelerate whatever it is that needs to happen. And so, um, you know, I think we're doing that across a multitude of scientific and medical um, initiatives. And then ultimately, you know, the goal is to change outcomes. So we've actually set some really ambitious um, goals over the next decade. By 2030, we want to double survival from 10 to 20 percent. Um, we want to raise $80 million annually as an organization. We're at about $40 million now, so we want to double our, our revenue. And, of course, that allows us to invest more in research. And we want to um, increase the awareness and visibility of PanCan um, and pancreatic cancer in the U.S. So, you know, again, very focused on these ambitious goals um, that ultimately are going to help us change patients. Well, and I can see the planner and you coming out. So uh, I love that. And, and kudos for um, thinking so, you know, boldly. I, I know sometimes that we have this incrementalism that we fall into, and it sounds like you're really working hard to move the needle. And so thank you for doing this and really helping society and, and solving this, you know, one of many horrible issues that are called cancer. I do want to get a little bit lighter now, um, or maybe not as light on this one, but certainly on the last one. And it's a question I've started asking all of my guests during the pandemic. 
And that is if you could have one wish, any wish, what would it be and why? Yeah. So, um, two years ago, I was actually diagnosed with early stage breast cancer. And, um, it was early stage because there was an early detection test. I had a mammogram, um, so diagnosed very, very early. And I had multiple treatment options. I sort of had a choice of what I wanted to do. Um, I ended up having surgery and was cancer free after the fact. And, and so it was an inconvenience in my life, but um, moved on. And it's almost hard to remember that all of that happened two years ago. And so I guess I have, you know, with all the work and the passion that put into PanCan and fighting for pancreatic cancer patients, I really wish that someday that is the experience, um, that someone is diagnosed early because there's an early detection test, there's multiple treatment options, and they, you know, get through it um, and move on with their life. And so I guess that's a big wish. Um, but that's, um, you know, that would be sort of the culmination of all of this effort and hard work and focus um, to really ultimately save lives. That's, that's why we do the work that we do. Well, what a great answer. So one, I'm sorry. Two, I'm happy that the outcome looks very optimistic. And three, what a thoughtful answer and not surprising coming from you that you would sort of marry those two experiences together and hope that that can be the case with pancreatic cancer and other horrible cancers. Last one, and this one I promise will be lighter and more fun. <laughs> and that is, um, this is since the inception of the show, I've been, you know, it's to, to find out how people think what makes them tick, but uh, you're on a proverbial deserted island. You could take one album with you. Which album would you pick and why? So um, I grew up in the 80s. Um, so I have to pick Madonna. She reminds me of, you know, those sort of young, fun years when you dance carelessly and freely and it's just, you know, a fun time. Um, and, and she was also an independent female that at the time was a huge risk taker that went out and said, I love my craft and I'm going to do something different. She's quite tame today compared to to what we've seen since her, but at the time, you know, it was quite revolutionary. Um, So I take Madonna. Well, it's a great choice and you be in great graces with Jim Weiss, who I mentioned earlier, who has picked Madonna as one of his favorite albums. Um, with that, we will wrap up. And this has been a true pleasure. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of Real Chemistry and the host of the What's No podcast show. I've had the pleasure of getting to know a little bit better the fabulous Julie Fleshman, who is the president and CEO of the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, better known as PanCan. Julie, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you, Aaron, so much. Want more episodes of What to Know? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe on iTunes, the podcast app, the Stitcher app, or Spotify, and view the podcast page at whogroup.com slash what to know.